Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is designed especially for our podcast listeners, and it is focused on helping us to get into God's Word for a few minutes each day, well, about 12 or 13 minutes, and in doing so, to help us have a better perspective on the day to help us be able to handle and deal with in a more positive and productive way whatever that day is going to throw at us. And let me tell you, (laughs) these days throw a lot at us, don't they? Helps us to focus on our spiritual lives, upon our souls, upon our relationship with God. Now, we encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can. You may help them change their life. You may help them have a better day and even a better life. You may even help them to start to focus on their souls and their relationship with God. You may help them start down that pathway toward heaven. So simply sharing, you may help somebody get to heaven. Think about that. Now share with your friends, your family members, your work associates, neighbors, anybody and everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, you can do that through text messages, maybe some other technological means that you have access to. But share with everybody you can. We're going to finish up this particular study that we've been doing on sexual immorality. We focused on a case in point, and that was David and Bathsheba. We looked at some excerpts from 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. There are many passages of scripture in the Old and New Testament that deal with sexual immorality. I've tried to emphasize how debilitating this particular sin can be in a person's life. It can literally ruin the life of that person and the the lives of a number of people around that person. And it's not just a sin that is committed by men. It is a sin that is committed by countless women as well. It can affect, in fact, it can destroy families. When we talk about sexual sin, and we did not really get into some of the depths of the consequences, but how many, how many killings do you suppose, murders do you suppose, have resulted from sexual sin? How many people have ended up in jail over sexual sin? How many bones have been broken? through physical altercations because of sexual sin? How many children have been handicapped emotionally and even psychologically for much of their lives because of sexual sin? Sexual immorality is a terrible thing. It's not inconsequential. Our culture has developed to the point where it just gives kind of a wink and a nod everybody's doing it that's the way it is right now you know it's not that that old that other stuff you know staying celibate until you get married and all of that that's old old fashioned no that's the best way to live and it's the most pure way to live and will equip us to have a much better marriage relationship when we do get married it'll equip us also to train up our children in a more righteous way, in a more, again, a more prepared and solid way. Sexual immorality, that action that takes place after we don't deal effectively with the heat of a moment, 
a temptation that's thrown our way by the devil. And we give in to the temptation and commit the sin. That sin can ruin lives, can destroy families, and can cause all kinds of consequences that the person is not even in his wildest imagination considering when he or she gives in to that sin. Saying all of that, sexual, sexual immorality is not the unpardonable sin, providing we repent of it and forsake it. In fact, when we read of the Christians in the congregation at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9, the Apostle Paul writes to them along this line, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, or those who commit sexual immorality, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, another form of sexual immorality, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, two more forms of sexual immorality, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, these sinful practices will keep a person out of heaven. And if that was the end of the story, if that was all that Paul said along this line, we might be, be forlorn and think, I can never be forgiven. He can never be forgiven. She can never be forgiven. But in the very next verse, Paul says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You can be forgiven. In fact, the Apostle John wrote this in 1 John chapter 1, in verse 9, and he addresses this to Christians. Now, of course, the principle applies to non-Christians as well, but he's writing this to Christians because Christians are still fallible. They're still human. They can still, in an unguarded moment, as we've talked about many times in this particular line of study, they can give in to the temptation and make the wrong decision and commit the sin. But John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, extended what we call the great invitation in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. He's not talking about physical rest. He's not talking about taking a nap or having a good night's sleep. He's talking about the spiritual rest that comes by knowing you're forgiven, you're saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. You see, God wants to forgive. Peter said in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now there's the key. Are you ready to repent? When Peter was preaching the gospel on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, there were many in the crowd who said, what shall we do? And the very first word out of Peter's mouth was repent. Now that word means a change of mind that necessarily includes a change of lifestyle. They needed to change. Those of you who might be guilty of sexual immorality need to change your life. Turn away from that sin. That's what repentance is. The next thing that Peter said, after he said repent, was let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Through baptism into Christ, the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse even the vilest of all sinners of their sins, of that guilt. They'll be forgiven. Their souls will be clean. God will remember those sins no more. The Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian and an apostle, was an enemy of Jesus Christ. He was a violent persecutor of the church. When he was confronted by the Lord on the road to Damascus and struck blind, he went to Damascus, went into the city, as he was told by the Lord to do. He waited three days, and a man named Ananias, a Christian, sent by the Lord himself, came to him and said, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Are you guilty of sexual immorality? You can be forgiven. Repent. Turn away from that sin. Turn to God through Jesus Christ. Be baptized so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. Be forgiven. Be redeemed. Be saved. And then walk that life of faithfulness for the rest of your life. Revelation 2 and verse 10. And the Lord will have waiting for you the crown of life. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we pray for souls. We pray for our souls. Please guard us against temptation, against sin. Guard us against weakness and moments of weakness. Be there with us and for us and help us to be strong and to make the right decisions at the right time so we don't have to suffer the consequences of sin in our lives. We pray, guide people to come to you through Jesus Christ. Assure them that they can be forgiven and they can live a new life in him. 
please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.